0: Okay, so question I got for you. Um, Is that a little echo bothering anybody? Is that okay? You good? We're good? Awesome. Um, What would happen if you ate at cookout every day? Just a random question. Don't respond. No responses, right? Some of you would be really happy, I know. Or what about Wendy's, you know? Or Krispy Kreme. Boom, every day, three meals a day. All right, let me... Well, check this out. Somebody... Somebody tried to figure this out actually in a real life experiment. Some of you may know of this, but in 2004, a guy named Morgan Spurlock, all right, uh, he's like an American independent filmmaker. He set out on an experiment to kind of answer a real similar question, and his experiment would turn into the American documentary film that you know, Supersize Me. Yes. Uh, it actually won an Academy Award. Uh, Morgan was the director and the main star of the film, um, And th- basically the film follows a 30-day period during which Morgan ate only McDonald's. All right Morgan ate at McDonald 's three times a day, for 30 days. And time they asked him, this is, they don 't do this anymore, probably because of his documentary but anytime they would ask him, "Do you want that supersize?" He had to say yes and eat it. Now, I will say the state that supersized him the most, kind of interesting, Texas. <laughs> All right? Everything's bigger in Texas, guys. Um, so anyway, in the, in the span of 30 days, he gained approximately 25 pounds. Um, now, that, you know, some of you have probably gained 20. Well, that's a terrible thing to say. Uh, I'm mean, like, when you're in middle school, okay, or something. Like, we've probably, somebody at some point, you know, you know maybe it actually never happened. Um, but it took him, you all ready for this? He gained 25 pounds in a month. It took him 14 months on a very specialized vegan diet to lose the 25 pounds. Okay, his liver accumulated fat. Like, his liver almost shut down. Like, it was getting to the point where it was bad, okay? Um, it, uh, what else did it do? His cholesterol level, for some of you that will know what this means, um, reached 230. That's significant, okay? I asked my dad. Um, and so the other thing that happened that was really, was the psychological effect it had on him. Like, it really sent him into some serious depression. Uh, it created tons of sexual dysfunction. Like, it messed him up. And at one point, actually it was day 21, he's going to the doctor's office and his family's really concerned. Like his family wants him to stop. They're like, D- you, you've really got to stop. Like we're concerned. You're going to permanently hurt yourself. Um, day 21, he goes, sees the doctor. The doctor tells him, because they're doing the same test, same battery <coughs> test every few days, tells him he must stop immediately. You're going you're gonna to mess your body up permanently, is what the doc said. Obviously, he didn't, because he only had nine days left. He's a real man. He's going right to finish wrong, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, uh, he goes on. It sounds crazy. Like, the guy's going on to do some more documentaries. He's not dating that girl anymore that was in the video. Um, but it does make you stop and think, if you watch this documentary. It does make you think, like, what are we consuming A more recent video that really does this well is Food, Inc. It's a great documentary. It's phenomenal. But Anyway, they make you stop and think, like, what are you consuming? You know, is the things you're consuming, is it leading to life or is it hindering life? Is it actually leading to death? Like, this dude would have killed himself if he had kept on doing this for a period of time. Um, Well, Jesus, in this passage that we're going to look at tonight, which is really weird, extremely weird passage, okay, I'm just going to say that to you now. Jesus, in this passage, is going to make us do some, s- the same thing. He's going to make us stop, and he's going to make us think about, like, what are we consuming? What are we consuming? Not physically, but spiritually. Um, you know, what... And the question that he's kind of wanting us to ask is, I mean, like, what are you and I looking to... What are we consuming for life, in a spiritual sense? Um... Maybe another way to think about it is like, what is ultimately satisfying the deep longing inside of you? Like what is what is satisfying that deep longing? And that's the kind of the question that Jesus kind of poses. And so, we're going to kind of look at two major things to kind of help us work through this passage. One is the diet of the Christian life, which is really even a weird thing to say, especially considering what we're about to read. Um, the diet of the Christian life. And so, we're just going to read... Verses 52 to 59 of John chapter 6. Um, and then we'll pause for a minute. Uh, the Jews, and so if you want to follow along, it's a good time. Uh, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Okay, let's just pause for a second. Um, in John chapter 6, see, it's already started out really weird. Um, in John chapter 6, like Jesus has been talking about this whole chapter he's been talking about being the bread of life meaning he is what will sustain you for eternity right and so for instance if you back up in this chapter to verse 35 he actually says that i am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst right that's really cool it's a great bumper sticker verse that your grandmama's going to put right next to the honor roll bumper sticker, you know what I'm talking about? Um, it's cool. Guess what? It's getting really weird now. Okay? And that's where we're going to pick up. So these guys are like, hey, how, how, can man, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then verse 53, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, weird, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whatever feed, so whoever feeds on me... He also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And so, like, he's saying these things in church, okay? Really bizarre. Um, And so, obviously, just to clear up tons of debate, Jesus. I mean, he's not talking about religious cannibalism, okay? I think you're all smart. You probably know that. Um, That's not what he's talking about. Um, But people, they didn't know how to interpret these words. Like, they didn't know how to interpret what Jesus is saying. Um, I mean, it was... And not only did they not know how to interpret, they were, like, extremely offended. Like, extremely offensive way of speaking. And if they weren't offended when... You get to verse 52 in that section we just read, he kind of really pushes you over the edge. You know, just in case you missed that, I'm going to say eat my flesh and drink my blood about 16,000 times. And you're just going to feel the weight of this. It's going to feel. You're going to feel it. Um, and so it's really strange. This passage is really strange. And so what I want to do is just kind of unpack it for a little bit. Um, Just a few things. First, like, what is Jesus saying? If it's, you know, if it's not a literal thing, what is he talking about? Uh, And like many times in the Bible, Jesus, what he does is he'll, he'll do this often. He uses earthly symbols to teach, like, really deep spiritual truths. And so he's speaking figuratively here about a spiritual reality, all right? Um, all this talk about his flesh and, and blood is doing one thing; it's pointing. What it should be doing is it's pointing us, it's pointing his hearers to his sacrifice. That's what he's getting at. Um, it's pointing to his sacrifice as the only way of salvation. Um, just as food and drink, kind of, if you think about it, they nourish and sustain us. You know, his sacrifice is the only way to nourish us and sustain us eternally. Does that make sense? And so that's really kind of what he's getting at. Um, And so here's the spiritual truth. Let's kind of like see if we can like summarize all of that he just said. That was really bizarre. Um, He's basically saying this. If you, by a living faith, accept and trust in Jesus' sacrifice as the only ground for your salvation, you will possess eternal life. Um, that's it. And I know some of that may be new, some of that may be hard for some of you to really believe, and you may be wrestling with that. Um, that's okay. Um, that's okay. We can continue this conversation. Uh, but that's what Jesus is saying, um, and there's no way around it. I, like, my sacrifice is the only ground for your salvation, period. Um, and so a good question for us is, okay, we get that. What does that mean? I go, okay, how do we see that kind of play out into our life? And this is, I think this is extremely important. What I'm about to say is extremely important for Southerners. In North Carolina, you're kind of Southern. And so we'll just throw you in that category. You're kind of part of the Southeast where you're kind of below the Bible belt. And so, like, Christianity is still kind of in saturating the culture. Um, And so when Jesus says this, what does it mean? Well, it's this. Christianity is deeply interior. It's intensely intimate and radically personal. All right? It's not a cultural thing. And so some of us grow up in the South, and we get, we're just kind of connected to Christianity because it's a cultural thing. Um, but Jesus is like blowing that up with a bazooka right now, that way of thinking. Uh, it's a radically personal thing, and unless it's these things for you, what one pastor says is like you're just you're not understanding Christianity completely, um, and you like some of these disciples and myself. I mean, we're just continuing to learn and to grow, and, um, and so now the reality is, it's not like it's not always going to be intensely intimate. We know that because we've all been to those kind of things where they like pump up the oxygen in the room and turn down the lights and just really play the chord that just kind of works your heart and you know we get all emotional and that's cool for a little bit and then you know what by Thursday we're depressed like it just didn't last that long and so it's not always going to be intensely intimate but but I think for you to think about some things to think about uh, is I mean it's got like is God teaching you new things um You know, is is he rearranging your priorities? I mean, do you do you long to spend time with him? Like, do you like have any sort of like relationship with him? And and how does that look on a week to week, day to day basis? Um, Or sometimes I think, especially in the South, it's not just cultural. Sometimes just anywhere in the nation, it can be just kind of a business relationship. You know, like I'm going to do some things for you. You're going to do some things for me. It's going to be great. We're just going to work this out. Um, but that's not what's, what's going on here. And so the last question I want us to think about is, okay, so we talked about, like, what is Jesus saying? We kind of get it. Uh, what does that mean, right, that, that Christianity is, is radically personal? Um, well, what if you believe? Many of you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, I believe Jesus. I love him. I follow him. Well, what if you believe? Because Jesus is going to do some interesting things here. Um, and he he's going to talk about your future. Like he's going to connect this whole like eating my flesh and drinking my blood, this whole kind of like deeply just personally radical connection to him. It's going to affect your future. Uh, and so here's a couple things he says. And maybe some of you have never thought about this stuff. Like some of you, like Jesus is about to drop some theological dumbbells on you. Okay, like that's what Jesus is about to do. Like they're probably big dumbbells for some of us. Um, And so one, look at verse 54. It's really amazing. He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What in the world is that? Wait. Okay, let me summarize it for you. Like here's kind of what he's getting at. Um... (coughs) Those who accept and trust in, like, Jesus' sacrifice, right? You accept it. You trust it. They're going to live forever, body and soul. Some of you all know this. Some of this may be really new to you. And so here's the idea. So people, I get this question a lot because I'm a pastor, and so people ask me a bunch of really hard theological questions, which is cool. bring it on. Um, I usually just refer them to someone else. I'm like, oh, yeah, go to this website. Um, I'm just like, ask Annie. No, no, ask my wife. Ask my wife. Um, so, so here's what's happening. Like, you die, your soul immediately goes to be with Jesus if, if you trust and accept him. Like, he's your, he's your salvation, right? It get, guess what? Your soul's going to, like, it's not going to just hang out with Jesus forever. He said, what, what do he say in verse 54? I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus made it really clear, hey, I'm coming back. And when I come back, there's going to be a resurrection. Like, I'm going to resurrect your bodies. And I'm going to reunite your soul and your body. And they will be together with me forever. Whoa. Like, Jesus, when he says, I'm making all things new, I'm restoring everything, he literally means all things. And that means the material world, that means your body. A lot of times we think we just kind of go to heaven and we float around, you know, like forever. That's, that's not what he's getting at. I mean, that's cool. You're there for a little bit, but one day you're going to come with Jesus in your body and your soul going to be united. It's really wild. Um, he also makes another really like amazing statement. Um, you see it, I think it's in uh, verse 56. So not only will you uh, live forever, but when you believe, you are united to Jesus. And not, like nobody knows exactly what that means. Like, the smartest people in the world. I mean, we still cannot mind the depths of this. You see it in verse 56. Look, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Um, and so what does that mean practically? Here, here's it, and this is good news for you. Jesus is never going to let go. Like, you are with him forever. Like, you and Jesus will live together Forever, that like, and that's not like based on your performance and ability. Like he's going to make that happen. It will happen. That's really good news, because we're always wondering, man, what if, what if I don't make it? You know. Well, you don't have to wonder anymore. Uh, Jesus is never going to let go. And so, um, we're going to move on to the next thing. So we looked at the diet of the Christian life, which is what. I think we could kind of summarize it, the person work of Jesus, you know? The next thing we're going to look at is the difficulty of the Christian life. All right, so verses 60 to 71, you ready? Uh, when many of his disciples heard it, okay, this is they heard it, they heard that crazy teaching he just said. Um, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And then there's this little parenthesis, For Jesus knew Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray Jesus. Um, We're going to see, like, Christianity is difficult in lots of ways. It really is, if we're really honest. Uh, it's difficult for Christians. It's difficult for non-Christians. Um, here we're going to see a couple ways. One, one way it's difficult is, ex- like, there, there's an like, ex- absolutes. There are many absolutes in Christianity. And accepting those absolutes is really hard for some people. Uh, but not only that, there's loneliness. And we're going to look at that, too. Um, and so Jesus had just finished teaching about being the bread of life, right? He's literally telling people to digest his flesh and blood. It's crazy. Um, and, and basically kind of what he's getting at is, you know, that like, what's, Christianity is about a radical personal experience. Radical personal experience uh, with Jesus as the way, the only way to eternal life, Right? And so Jesus is kind of speaking in absolutes, and what happens? The disciples have a hard time accepting it. You see it in verse 60. We just read it. They heard it, and they said, well, I mean, this is hard saying. Who can listen to it? And what they're getting at here, it's it's, first glance at that, you think it's hard to understand. And that's not what's happening here. For them, it's hard to accept. Like, it's hard to believe. Um... It's hard to accept what Jesus is saying. And you see their reaction in verse 66. What do they do? After this, many of his disciples... These are disciples, folks. It's like it's, These are disciples. These are not random folks. They've been following him. Um, the disciples, what did they do? They <laughs> turned back and no longer walked with him. They walked away from Jesus because they could not accept these absolute statements that he's making. And he's he's already made some. He's going to make more. Um, And so they walk away. Um, That's still happening today. Like, this is still a pretty common thing. Um, And it's really hard. And I get it. Um, Jesus makes all sorts of absolute claims, guys. Um, And he does. He makes absolute claims about your money. You know, like, he gets in your life. Like, it's radically personal. Uh, he makes all kinds of claims about your sexuality. Absolute truth claims. Um, about forgiveness. And we could go on and on. He had absolute statements about a ton of stuff. There is no, like, and a lot of these absolutes, they don't have a gray area. Like, they really don't. And so it's either we're going to accept and submit, or we're not, we're going to rebel. That's kind of the, the decision we got to make often. Uh, and so, for instance, he says things like, don't lust. He actually makes some really strong statements about lust. Well, I mean, what does that mean? Well, stop looking at pornography. You know, like I mean, that's that's what he's talking about. Stop hooking up with your boyfriend. Stop hooking up with your girlfriend. Like, like I'm gonna make absolute claims about your sexuality. Um, not that he's against sexuality. He actually created it, and he makes things really good. Uh, but he actually he knows something. That for sexuality to flourish the way he designed it to, it's, it's got to operate within a certain standard, certain framework. Does that make sense? I know this is super uncomfortable. Some of y'all are like, whoa. We went there. I'm just letting you know. Like, it's the, deal with Jesus, okay? Deal with Jesus, all right? So forgiveness. Like, you think those are hard, like money, sexuality? Man, there's some people I still don't like from like 15 years ago. Seriously. ask my wife. Because uh, we'll bump into them at Walmart sometimes. And I'm just kind of like, what's up? Well, anyway. Um, I mean, like, seriously. So here's what Jesus says about, here's what he says. He says, you, you must forgive. And you can't keep count. Like, you you got to forgive so many times, you shouldn't even know how many times you've forgiven someone who's sinned against you. What? Seriously? I'm like, I always got a little pad. I'm like, Jessica is, that's six times this week, man. Seriously? <laughs> Seriously? Um, no, it's like he says you've got to forgive people and you can't keep count. It's wild. Okay, now, let me just say this. I know some of y'all are like, like, whoa, absolute claims. That's so hard. Talk to me. Talk to someone. Like, I'm not here to shame you, right? I'm more messed up than any of you. I promise. I promise. I will win. Uh, I will. I will. And so, like, you just need to talk to people. Like, Jesus is going to say stuff that's really, really hard. And you need to talk to somebody about it. Um, like, he's going to say, I'm the only way. I'm the only way to heaven. That's hard. That's hard today. That's hard in America. Um, that's really hard all over the world. So, just talk to somebody about it. Um, okay. The next thing, though, it's accepting absolutes kind of drove these guys away. Well, guess what? Some people didn't run away. Some people didn't. The disciples hung around. Um, And and Jesus turns to them. This is is just amazing. He turns to the 12 apostles. He says in verse 67, what does he say? hard. Do you want to go away as well? Like, do you want to leave me too? Amazing question. One of the things you'll notice if you read the Gospels, Jesus does this often. He is... He is really, really, really concerned with people following him for the wrong reasons. It's one pastor said it's almost like Jesus is scared that people are following him for the wrong reasons. It's really a weird thing to think about, but he's so worried that people are going to follow him for the wrong reasons, and you see it come out in a couple ways, like um, you know, like uh, some people follow Jesus just because they wanted his stuff. You know, like, they're going to get some fish. Maybe a couple pieces of bread. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to get a free meal. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to see it come out of nowhere. Um, you know, so there's that kind of stuff. Others followed him without counting the cost. Like, they didn't really think about Hey, It's like, Olaf, hey. They're just like, I'm, I love warm hugs. You know, it's like, they don't think about anything. I'm just going to follow Jesus. And they don't really actually think, man, this is going to cost you, Olaf. It's going to cost you. <laughs> Um, And then some people just, you know, like we've kind of talked about, it's just like his absolute authority is hard to submit to. It's hard. Uh, And so some people didn't really think about that. Um, And so out of that kind of concern for people, he asked the 12, do you want to go away as well? And it was a lonely place for them to be. I want you to think about that. Like the disciples, like people are leaving. And then he turns to them and goes, do you want to leave too? I mean, you got people just walking away. and, I, and You know, like, it's a lonely place for them to be. I mean, um, and I think that's, Christianity can be extremely lonely. Uh, and I, I don't think people ever talk about it or even think about it, but it can. Because uh, here's why. The time is coming in your life, if it hasn't already, where following Jesus will be extremely, extremely lonely. Maybe even the loneliest place on earth. Um, you know, when, when you're surrounded by crowds of people that see at, no sense in following him at all, and it's going to be difficult in that moment, it's going to feel extremely lonely. Um, some of you may feel it right now, like in college. Um, you know, I, Western's not like, I mean, it's like most schools. It's maybe 7% of the student body here, there's over 10,000 students, are connected to Jesus in some way. And so some of you come here, and you immediately feel that. Because you are in a, a massive minority. And the crowds see no sense in following Jesus. Um, and you feel it. It's lonely. Um, it may be a group project where someone's kind of pushing the ethical boundaries. It could be a physical relationship you got into. The next thing you know, it's getting really physical. You know, I mean, like, the list goes on and on. Like, there's going to be times where following Jesus is going to feel extremely lonely. Because you're going to have to do something very different than what everyone around you is doing um and so what do you do how do you respond to that how do you respond to that kind of loneliness um I think you just see what Peter saw I love verse 68 and 69 um Simon Peter answered him Lord to to whom shall we go like where else do we go you have the words of eternal life like where else do we go um and so, we, so we're kind of wrapping up. Um, we've thought about kind of what gives eternal life. We kind of spent a lot of time thinking about eternal life, thinking about sacrifice, kind of why following Jesus is so difficult, at least why we see that here at the end of chapter 6. And throughout John 6, uh, Jesus has been referring to himself as the bread of life. He's kind of like pointing, which is kind of pointing to his sacrifice. That's kind of what he's continuing to drive home. Uh, it's, it's, chapter 6 is all about Jesus giving himself, right? And some of you may, like, I've had people ask me this. Like, some of you may be wondering, well, why, like, why sacrifice? Like, why did he have to do that? Um, and so I'm going to tell a story maybe to help us understand. Um, Friday afternoon, 2012, um, series of tornadoes were sweeping through Henryville, Indiana, Um, and a woman named Stephanie Decker was at home, just her and her two kids, a young son and a young daughter, and they're kind of huddled in the basement. And tornado's coming. She hears it. And so what she does is just before the storm hits, she covered the children with a blanket, right? That's the first thing to kind of cover up the debris from the glass, et cetera, et cetera. She covers them with a blanket to shield them. And then she kind of did this She reached around them, kind of the best way she could with her body, um, to kind of add a layer of protection. And what she was doing is saying, hey, I'm going to absorb as much of the impact, if not all of it, as I can. And that's what she did. Uh, And as the storm hit, I mean, like, it devastated the house, uh, waves of debris hit Stephanie Decker's body, um. Beams, pillars, furniture. I mean, it was bad. Several ribs were broken. At one point, one of the major floor trusses fell. I think it was a steel beam, probably. Fell on her legs, almost severing them completely. Um, and then there was, like, this calm for a second. She's covered up in debris. Still got the blanket. Guess what? Another tornado's coming. And so another wave of the same type stuff. And so she took the brunt of the debris... With her body Now, here's what's amazing, because y'all think, y'all think this is going somewhere. She survived. She survived the storm, but lost her legs. She lost her legs. Her two children, though, came out from under that blanket without a scratch. It's pretty. I mean, they emerged from the storm. perfect. perfectly healthy. And so, like, here's what I want you to know. Like, humanity has rebelled against God. You just have, and so have I. I'm the worst rebel in here, okay? We've, re- we've kind of totally lived contrary to his design for us. Uh, we kind of sin all the time, thought, word, and deed. We just do it sometimes. Sub- I mean, sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. Um, and so for, for God to be loving and just, I mean, there, there had to be some sort of punishment. There had to be. And so here's what Jesus does. He takes our place. Like this lady, just like Stephanie Decker. He absorbs the impact in our place. Jesus was broken. And that's what this whole image about the bread is. If you think about bread, it's torn, it's broken. Jesus was broken, so you never have to be. That is really, really good news. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for your son who was broken in our place. Uh, We pray that you would help us see him, follow him, wrestle with his truth claims, give us faith to believe, and uh, faith to rest more completely in his work for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.